Jessica. A little better than that. Because today you are not at a church gathering. You are in the mustering center. I don't even know the right words for it they use in the military. We've gathered together here as members of a kingdom outpost. I feel like the way of Jesus has been spiritualized and sentimentalized to the point where we feel like we come to church to just hmm, breathe in some Jesus juju juice and feel good about ourselves again. That is not the reason we're here. The reason we're here is we're called to be a kingdom outpost. You'll see in that verse, it's up there on, in Colossians 1, 13 and 14. I think it'll be up here on the screen again. I, we may have put it up there. Colossians 1, what uh, Jessica just read for us. That God has transferred us out of one kingdom into another one. Look at me for a second. Jesus did not come here to start another religion. There are already a lot of religions out there. And the way of Jesus ha- is a, has some spiritual religious parts to it, but over and over again, I want you to see this in Mark chapter 1, and you can flip around in your Bibles to this. Some of these will probably come up on the screen as well. In Mark chapter 1, the very first thing Jesus says when he goes public with his ministry, after he gets baptized and after he starts going out there and and telling people what, what, what his way is all about, Mark chapter 1 Verse 15, Mark 1, 15 says, he says, The time promised by God has come at last, he announced. And he doesn't say, I'm here to start a church. He says, the kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. Over in Matthew, just one book back to the left, Matthew 4, verse 17. From then on, Jesus began to preach, repent of your sins the word repent just means turn around. Turn around from where you've been going and turn to God. Why? Because the kingdom is here. Not a church, not a religion, but a kingdom. In Luke chapter 10, I love this. Uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 9. I'm just giving you a cross section of hundreds of verses that are in the scriptures all about God's kingdom. Luke 10, verse 9 says, Heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is near you now. We sometimes think kingdom of God is a kingdom of God revelation someday in the future. No, no. Right here, right now, the kingdom of God is here, right here, right now. And and Jesus tells stories uh, in the book of Matthew, uh, chapter 13. He over and over again talks about what his, his mission is all about. And he always starts off saying, well, the kingdom of God is like this. The kingdom of heaven is like this. Not my church, not my philosophy. Not my spirituality, the kingdom. He had a much bigger idea in mind than just spirituality and religion. When Jesus is on trial in front of the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate, Pilate tells him, don't you realize I have the power to release you or the power to have you crucified? And what Jesus does in his next words is he pats Pilate on the head. He doesn't really do that. And he says, you're so cute, dude. He said, you have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. He says, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my followers would fight to prevent my arrest, or my followers would vote to make sure I get elected. 
Yeah, I got a kingdom that's way, way, way beyond that transcends any of the kingdoms of this world. It's a whole massive kingdom that God establishes, and He establishes His kingdom through outposts, kingdom outposts scattered throughout the world. We are one of millions of these kingdom outposts called churches, but our outposts where God has deployed us into a forward area to go out there and make a difference. Uh, the call from the commander, from our commander, is to, here's the big idea today. If you're wondering what this message is going to be all about today, you know what it is? Here it is. Three words. Make some trouble. Make some trouble out there in the world. Uh, against evil that's in this world, forcefully advancing the kingdom of God. In Matthew 11, verse 12, it says, the kingdom of God is advancing forcefully, and forceful people take hold of it. And what that means is, Forceful people will try to stop it, and forceful people will try to advance it. It is not some quiet, sit back and just chill out and consume religious goods and services deal that we do here at Cross Point Church. We are a kingdom outpost deployed into a forward area to make a difference for our king. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul says this. He says, we are in this great struggle, but our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's against the spiritual darkness of the kingdom, of the tyrannical kingdom that has taken up residence here on God's, in, in God's kingdom. He says, and our job out there is to go and make a difference out there. This is super important. The kingdom we're in, we're in, our enemy is not people. Our enemy is not politicians, no matter what side of the aisle you vote on. Our, our enemy is spiritual darkness out there. And God has called us to go out there and rescue people who've been held captive, who've been shackled by the enemy. Now, it's this idea of spiritual warfare, and we live in a world, sadly, we, it's so crazy, we think we're so enlightened here in the 21st century. You guys realize in the last 100 years, the wars we've had that have just slaughtered millions of people? We have a war going on today, other side of the world, in Ukraine right now. So it's a little tricky to talk about war in, in times like this, and the scripture is going to tell us over and over again, just like the people in the first century would have seen Rome just bam, 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 come in and engage in warfare. He says, you're going to be very familiar with that. He says, what God has come to do is to wage a different kind of war. Not to jam it down people's throat and not to force it on them, but to win them over, not to wipe them out. I'd write that down if I were you. That's pretty good. I got that from years and years ago from a guy I worked with at another church down in Vista. Our, our mission is, not, is to win people over, not to wipe them out. So in your program today, like Rudy McKenna told you, there's this Vision 2022 book. So get this out. You're going to want this out. We're going to take a look at some things here. This is our little field report. It's been declassified for us today. You can see there, there's a quick little letter there at the beginning. And then our field report from last year, 2021, weekend services. Look at Saturday. When we started doing Saturday about a year ago again, we would have like nine people here, literally. We were filming to an empty room and a few people would show up here. Now it's gaining traction. It's going awesome and amazing. Small groups are fantastic where community is happening. You'll see our big parties we did, our end of the summer bash. The next page there with our big 
We did this big summer party and this Jack Lantern Jamboree. Guys, when we decided to do that, that was not on the agenda for the year. That was something that just kind of came out of like, let's, here's a chance to make a difference in the world here. Let's go out there and shed some light in the darkness and do all that. Uh, we've given over $140,000 to local and global missions all over our community, all around the world. Uh, you guys give. We sponsor out of our church. I just checked with Compassion about a month ago. 191 kids we sponsor. That equals out to about $90,000 a year. That money doesn't come to us. You guys are sending that directly out there, making a difference in all these kids' lives. Uh, there's community outreach stuff that we're doing. People got saved and got baptized. Last year, our student ministries and our kids' men teams are just killing it and crushing it right now in a time when, like, we tried to get volunteers back in, and it's been tricky to get people back involved in doing it. And they just keep figuring it out uh, to, uh, to make it happen. That's kind of a quick whew, flyby of celebrating what happened last year before we look ahead to what's coming up for us this year. This kingdom outpost, Crosspoint Church, one of God's kingdom outposts is to wage war against the systems of sin and evil in our lane that we're in right now by calling all kinds of people to discover and follow Jesus. That's the next page. That the mission will always be all kinds of people discovering and following Jesus. See, we're, in a, we're engaged in a great conflict, not just a religion. Um, and here's the problem. It will happen sometimes. You look around here today. Saturday, look at you guys. You come out here on a Saturday. Some of you are watching with us online. You come to church on a Saturday night. That's crazy. But here's what will happen. We will start to have some make, making a difference in the world and having some success and having more and more of all kinds of people come to discover and follow Jesus. And if we're not careful, the mission starts to become all about what are my preferences? What am I comfortable with? And we forget, no, you're part of the army. You're called to not sit in the mess tent or sit at base camp and just consume stuff. You're called to get out there and make a difference in the world. And I feel like we have an enemy out there. And <clears throat> Hollywood and, and Stephen King and other novel, novelists have made Satan way more powerful than he really is by all the crazy, bizarre special effects stuff of all this crazy stuff. And certainly those are some overt acts of the enemy. There is a real, there is a real thing of Satan and demons that are real. Some of you go, do you really believe that? Absolutely believe it. Um, we sometimes think, though, the only way Satan and demons are seen is, is when the, 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 the somebody's head spins around, somebody levitates, a crazy voice comes out of somebody. And I'm telling you right now, I know people where those kinds of things, they've been traumatized by Satan like that. But I'm telling you, that's not Satan's main, main mode of oper operation. When, from the very beginning... Satan shows up in the first chapters of our story, and he comes in, in, a, in a form of a snake. And what's fascinating is the snake does not have a stick or a weapon to go and crush and destroy Adam and Eve, and he doesn't even come with a bite of venom to kill him. You know what he comes with? An idea, a whisper. And the whisper is you can't really trust God. I mean, doing it God's way, come on. And that really has been, I'm telling you right now, this is, this is exactly what our enemy does 
in 5,000 different ways throughout human history is you can't really trust God. And we have been lulled to sleep. I think the church in, I don't know about America, but here in Southern California, if we're not careful, as members of God's army, as a kingdom outposter, we can get lulled to sleep. I don't think, I think our spiritual attack that the enemy comes against us with is not overt, crazy evil just coming and jacking up with us and making a mess of stuff. I think it comes with just like a little, so how many of you guys ever had little kids, like little infants, babies in your house? Yeah? Remember when they would start to cry at night at 2 o'clock in the morning? You would do anything to get that baby to go out to sleep, right? Anything. So it's like you get a lollipop or a pacifier or a bottle, and if you had to dip it in some NyQuil or some whiskey, <laughs> or even put a couple drops in there, it was like, hey, the, ba- the baby's getting, uh, the baby's starting to go like this, and shh. I'm telling you right now, what Satan and demons are doing to us right now is go, hey, go back to sleep. Shh, shh, shh. You're gonna feel, I'm telling you, you're gonna feel a call to action today. Rouse to action to go, let's go make a difference. Shh, shh, go back to sleep. First John 2, 15 to 17 talks about this. He says, everything in our culture that, that's trying to, to lull you to sleep is called the, the old school Bible says the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It's that the desires of your soul just, just Oh, feel good. Pleasure. Pleasure. And then what your eyes can see out there, the lust of your eyes, what you can see out there to, to attain to, uh, money and greed and, and the accumulating possessions and the pride of life. Look at me. Look at me. Look how awesome we are. This is the cult of our day, of the cult of self-esteem. Telling you how awesome and amazing you are. Just, just go back to sleep. You feel called action? Don't. Ah, come on. That guy's getting a little riled. It's vision 2020. Suck, suck on that light pop. Get, get a little bit of the pacifier, a little bit of something on it. Just shh, go back to sleep. And I want to tell you right now, I want to call you to action today. But I want to remind you, for those of you that have been here for a while, as well as those of you that are newer to our, our kingdom outpost here, part of this Crosspoint family, you'll see it there. We are all kinds of people discovering following Jesus. You'll see there in the Vision 2022 book right there. Jesus is central for us. Jesus is absolutely central. He is, Jesus is the goal. We're not just interested in getting you to start behaving better. I'm telling you right now, you can watch a lot of TV shows. There's all kinds of religious things out there that can help you behave. I'm telling you right now, we're not calling you to behavior, we're calling to a person. We're calling to a person, and and I'm telling you right now, your behavior will change when you recognize, I've been called, here's the crazy thing, people asked Jesus here on planet earth when he was walking around here in the flesh, in person, what's the greatest thing we can do for God? What's the most important commandment? And they think, okay, how do we rank the top ten commandments? Because, you know, you know, don't worship idols and don't commit adultery and keep the, which is the top one? He says, here's the top one of all. You can find it expressed right here. Love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. I'm telling you right now, if you will be called to action to just make Jesus central, to love him with everything you have and everything you are, your behavior will take care of itself. Which which means here is that Jesus is our Lord. Jesus is our commander. He's our Lord, not our lobbyist. I'm about to offend some of you, so 
um, tuck your feet underneath your chair here. I'm about to stomp on them a little bit. In the last couple of years, what's happened in evangelical churches is we have misunderstood who Jesus, we get it out of order. We think Jesus is working for us. That he's our lobbyist to get our cause, to get our politicians, to get our, our voting issues passed there. I want you to see something over in Joshua chapter 5. We're going to be all over the Bible today, so I have no idea what page it is in the Bibles that you have. Uh, it's Joshua, is Genesis, uh, sixth book in to the Bible. It's past Deuteronomy. Joshua chapter 5. Justin Swanee, who's our student ministries director here, called my attention to this this week. It's so good. Look at verse 13. When Joshua was near the town of Jericho, Joshua was the commander, the leader of the army of Israel. He looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a sword in hand. Joshua went up to him and demanded, are you friend or foe? What we know about this guy is this being here. It's not really a physical person of just being a human being. This is probably Jesus, the Son of God, displayed here in the flesh, here on the battlefield. Are you a friend or foe? Neither one, he replied. I am the commander of the Lord's army. At this, Joshua fell with his face to the ground in reverence. I am at your command, Joshua said. What do you want your servant to do? It's important for us to remember that Jesus is central. He's Lord, not our lobbyist, just to get our opinions, our issues taken care of. Second thing you'll see there is the Bible is final. This Bible you have, I'm going to encourage you, bring your Bibles to church with you. You can bring them on your mobile device. i probably more old school. I feel like, man, get one that's got some of this to it. Because I know sometimes, too, you get a mobile device, and I know what you do, because I sit next to some of you when I'm not here speaking. And I see what you're checking, your social media page, and if there's games on or whatever. So um, most of this is awesome. It just, it's life-giving, it's beautiful, it's inspirational. But from time to time, there's going to be some of this that's in this book that's going to trigger you and frustrate you. There's still stuff in there today that I go, that just seems weird. I don't like it. I got questions about it. It, it frustrates me. And what you have to decide here is what's going to be final for me when it comes to how I live my life. Is it going to be the culture out there? Because I'm telling you right now, the culture is going to change its mind every 10 minutes on everything. The Bible never changes. It's going to be, boom, the same thing yesterday, today, and forever. Or is it going to, you're going to live your life by your emotions, by how I feel today. And I'm telling you right now, how us making decisions guided by our emotions explains the mess our culture is in right now. Not who's in the White House or who's not in the White House. It's what we're saying is final in our lives. Is it, is it the culture? Is it my emotions? Um, when we go through the Bible, just so you know this, we will sometimes go and do topical stuff and grab a to do some topics that will we'll deal with like felt needs people are dealing with. Most of the time what we do is we go through big chunks of the Bible, big books of the Bible all at once. We're like in episode 35 of Book of Acts. We're about halfway through. Uh, I don't know when we're going to get done with it. We go through big chunks of the Bible because it forces us to deal with stuff that wouldn't be necessarily felt needs kind of stuff, but stuff that, you know, I'm not sure I would talk about that if I didn't have to, if it wasn't just next here in the Scriptures. 
Sometimes it just forces us to deal with stuff that's important for us. Just a big sneak preview. Coming this fall to a kingdom outpost near you, we're going to do a series on the book of Revelation. Are you getting excited right now? I'm just telling you right now, it's an equal opportunity offending sermon series. I'm telling you, I'm going to offend. My goal, I'm not telling you, it's not my goal to offend you. If you haven't been offended by the book of Revelation, you're not reading it right. It will offend everything. Oh, it's just crazy. Just stay tuned. Um, where am I at? Relationships are transformational. But, uh, Jesus is central. Bible is final. Relationships are transformational for us here. I firmly believe that it's important to have the Bible in your life, important as it is to, to serve, all those kind of things. I mean, the people you surround yourself with are going to be what makes or breaks it for you in terms of you walking with Jesus your whole life. You get around the right kind of people and get it centered around God's word, it will change and transform your life. You cannot, should not, no. You cannot do this, do the Christian life, do the way of Jesus by yourself. Now, from time to time, there are rare cases where that will happen. But the idea, if you do it kind of just me, just me and Jesus over here, that's never the way the scripture describes it. And you're going to miss a lot of what God wants to do in your life and through your life. So be in community. We have small groups that meet here all the time. And we have 25 of them, I think, right now. We're going to have a bunch more of those going to start and do some other things with groups. The men's group, the women's Bible study, all those kind of things that we do here. It's because relationships will transform you as they're centered around Jesus and the Bible. And because of that, unity and diversity are essential. Not uniformity, but harmony in the differences. And what that means is we are going to be all kinds of people, not just my kind of people discovering and following Jesus. Which all sounds great. When I stand up here and say, that's right, I say, man, until, God, really, them? The people that, see, because here's the deal, guys, I want, I believe everyone needs Jesus. I, I believe, see, we want to be a church where the pro and the anti-vaxxers and maskers can show up here together and know that they need Jesus. Uh, the, the people who vote Democrat and who vote Republican need Jesus. Good people need Jesus and bad people need Jesus. Stupid people need Jesus and smart people need Jesus. Uh, who else am I not talking about yet? Um, rich people and poor people, um, young and old, upper class, lower class, black lives matter and blue lives matter. All of us need Jesus, which means i got to be careful I don't do therapy up here with you today and, and vent out some things here. So I'm going to be careful here. It would be much easier for us as a church, as an organization, as a, as a, community, as a, a kingdom outpost here, to say on particular issues, we're going to go either way over here to the left or over here to the, well, left or to the right on particular things. Because when that happens, then at least somebody has our back. At least somebody's got us. At least somebody, we got people over here, we're going to stand over here, and that'll mean like people over here probably just won't come and be around us. And I'm telling you, I want to take a, people sometimes call me and us out because you can take a more of a stand for Christ. I'm saying we are taking a stand for Christ, not for your cause or who you want to be elected. We are just not ever going to do that. Now, that may change when I'm dead and gone, but as long as I'm here, that's never changing. 
Because all you fools need Jesus on both sides of whatever those issues might be. I better calm down. When we go into battle, when we are called to be soldiers in the army of Jesus Christ, in the world in which we live right now, some of you are going to hear, that's right, we've got to take a stand, rise up and fight and go out there and make a difference for God. And I'm going to tell you, we're going to tell you, we're going to fight, but the methodology that we use, don't look at anything else right now but me right now. I don't want you to miss this. The methodology that we're going to use here at Cross Point Church is going to be, it's there on your note sheet today. It's somewhere in your program. There's a note sheet there. We're going to fight on our knees. We're going to fight on our knees in prayer. We're going to fight on our knees in humility. And we're going to fight on our knees in serving. I think when we fight on our knees in prayer, I think we're going to get to the other side and the struggles and like, oh, I don't like to pray that much or prayer is frustrating. We're going to get the other side and go, God, if I only had known the impact that my prayers could have had on my kids, on my church, on my neighborhood, to walk around my neighborhood and just pray for my friends and pray for the barista and pray for the person, pray for that fool who's in the cubicle next to me who just is a whatever, to pray for him. We're going to fight on our knees in prayer. We're going to fight on our knees in humility. We live in a culture right now that says, don't back down. Stand your ground. I don't know what the song is or who that artist even is. So you're going, yeah, I don't know either because I can't sing. But um, we're not going to back down. We're going to stand up. I, I see it all over the place, even in Christian circles, that we are lions, not lambs. Take a stand. You don't get there and back down from anybody. And I'm telling you, look at me for a second. There are times and places where we as the people of God are called to go out there and take a stand and rise up and stand up. But I'm telling you, you can win the battle. You can win some battles by standing up. You know how you win the war? By laying down your rights. By fighting on your knees. And I'm, I would challenge you to find one place in the scriptures where our commander-in-chief, Jesus Christ, ever stood up for his own rights. You know how he, you know how he revolutionized the world? He went to a cross and laid his life down. That's how we're going to win the war. We can win some short-term battles by rising up and fighting. I'm not interested in winning little battles out here if we don't win the war for people's souls. We can get people to behave better. We can get things legislated and voted on by, yeah, do this kind of stuff. But we're not going to, it's such short-term gain. And we miss the opportunity to see God really revolutionize and transform a heart by laying down our rights, laying down our entitlements, laying down our privileges, and doing it Guys, what changed? Here's the crazy thing. You just know that within 300 years after Jesus had, had been, by the, by the world superpower, by the Roman superpower, been crucified on a cross, the cross is now the symbol of the Christian faith, and Rome has now embraced Christianity as the official religion, spirituality of the empire. That's nuts. You know that happened? People laid their lives down. They had no ability to stand up and fight. And then we're going to fight on our knees by like serving like Jesus did. You know, the night before he was, uh, well, two nights before he was crucified, before he goes out to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray and throw himself down and fight on his knees, you know what he's doing? He's on his knees in a room somewhere washing his disciples' feet. Doing the lowliest of the low kind of stuff. 
serving and serving radically, serving graciously. And he says, now that I, your Lord and Savior, your master, have washed your feet, so you also ought to do radical acts of service. We're going to make a difference at waging war on our knees, fighting on our knees in prayer, in humility, and service. Now, for some of you, you're going to like that. You're going to go think that's awesome, it's amazing. Some of you are going to be struggle and like, oh, I don't know about that. I'm just telling you guys, this is where we're going as a church. So if you don't like it, I'm not telling you to go let the door hit your way out. I'm just telling you, this is where we're going. There are other churches, religions, spiritualities that are going a different way. I would tell you if, you, if you get challenged by this, I would say go get on one of those boats and go that direction. But here's where we're going. Because I want us to be marked by people that serve and pray and, and humble ourselves. And it's, it's funny, there's a, uh, a phrase out there in our culture right now, in, in, in Christianity culture, that says we are the hands and the feet of Jesus. It comes from the idea where the body of Christ, Jesus isn't around anymore, so now we're the personification of Jesus, and Jesus, we're his hands and his feet. And it's like, oh, we're his hands and his feet. Isn't that beautiful, amazing? Until you recognize, have you seen the hands and feet of Jesus? Marked and scarred and pierced. This is to be the characteristic of how we wage war on the battlefield. Is radical dying to ourselves, laying down our rights, praying, serving, all that and more. I got to keep going. Uh, everything we do here at Cross Point Church, at this kingdom outpost, is an act of war. Everything we do. What, what people put name tags on you today, act of war. To make a difference in somebody's life. The people running slides in media, the people up here singing, this is an act of war against the enemy. The preaching, the teaching with the kids sitting, kids sitting back there and doing Lego crafts and having fun out there with their teachers, that's, that's an act of war for that child's soul. Everything we do here, even the big events that we do out in our community, is not just to be, let's just go make a, let's go have some parties out there in the community. It's we're calling people out of the darkness into the light and getting the cause of Christ out there so people can see. Here is where we're going, and now I've got a call to action for you today. So everybody right now, take this thing out and do this with me, everybody. Let me, let me hear this to make sure you have it out. I can't hear you loud enough. Louder. There we go. Good. You're a soldier, not a spectator. You're not called to sit in base camp while others go out and fight. So I am calling you today. I'm telling you, come on, let's go make some trouble. Let's go get after this. Let's just not sit back and coast uh, in our spirituality. Uh, there's three commitments we are looking for from each person, each family that is part of our church. I'm going to start in the middle of this card right here. The first one is, the question is, who are you inviting? Who are you inviting? In Luke chapter 15, uh, Jesus tells the story, not of 30 sheep out of 100 that got lost, one. He says, you know who matters to God? One. He takes radical, crazy action to go get one person out of darkness into his light, one sheep who's wandered off. So it's, it's the big question we're using this, this year is, who's your one more, and kind of what's now popped up by you guys who have a better phrase for it, who's my plus one? I'm in. 
I'm part of God's kingdom outpost here. I, I want people to come and know and discover and follow Jesus. So who's the person I'm going to pray for that God's going to give me opportunities to invite to have a conversation about the gospel and about Jesus? Or perhaps it's just to do what the first disciples did. You can see it uh, over in John 1.39 and uh, John 1.46. You know what the first disciples of Jesus did? They weren't even Christians yet. All they say is, we found somebody crazy. You should come and see. You should invite him to come and check it out. Justin Swanee, who's our student ministries director here, you know what happened to him? He was like, a, I think, a 15, 16-year-old kid at one of the schools around here, and somebody in our youth group said, hey, Justin, you should come to my church sometime and see what's going on there. God saves him. God transforms his life. He grows disciples. He's not the student ministries pastor here. Crazy thing that God does here, you never know what God's going to do when you say, I'm just not praying for somebody. And don't say, well, just, I want to reach the whole world. No, no. Because if you try to reach the whole world, you're going to reach nobody. One person. Be specific about it. So on that card, I want to get this card from every single one of you, either today for sure or in the next two weeks, to bring it back to us. Who's your one more? Because we're going to celebrate those stories of what God does to reach people. The, the first question, after who you're inviting in the middle, uh, the first question there is, where are you serving? The scriptures make it very clear to us that we are the body of Christ, and just like a body has is one body but has many parts, so is the Christ's body. I would tell you, say, we're like Christ's, to use the metaphor that we're using today, Christ's army, and those of you that serve in the military know that there's different kinds of functions of an army, right? There's people that are boots on the ground with guns and weapons, some people are in submarines, some people are in ships, some people are flying overhead, there's communications, there's logistics, there's command, control, spy, there's all kinds of roles and assignments out there. If, if you don't do your assignment, that means somebody else has to do yours. And so it's time for every single one of you to say, where, where are we going to serve here? Where are we going to be part of this kingdom outpost to make a difference here, to advance the cause of Christ? If, if you don't do your thing, then, then God's thing isn't going to get done the way it's supposed to get done, and we're going to work slower and not as effective. On this, uh, this uh, response card here, this commitment card, it asks there, where are you interested in or maybe already serving? So if you're already serving in places, we want to know where that is. If you're, if you're here, part of our church, and you've been here longer than a month and you're not serving yet, we're not doing it right. So I'm calling you. Uh, I want to be kind with this. I want to be gracious with this. I'm going to say, get your butt off the bench and get in the game. Because we got we got work to do here. We want to adv- advance God's kingdom, and we're serious about that. So we want to see you find a way to get plugged in here. I know right now all kinds of areas for you to serve in uh, for weekend services, set up and tear down. Our kids' men teams, especially on Saturdays, needs a few more people, especially as Easter is coming and we're trying to get a bunch of people to come try out Saturday uh, evening. We need to have some more staff join that team there. So if you think I'm trying just to work you right now to get you to sign up for kids' men, absolutely. Absolutely. Jump in there. Get involved there. Where are you serving where would you like to serve? And this is not a commitment to say, well, if I check this box off, I have to serve there. What you're saying is, well, okay, I'm kind of interested in that. You can call me about that. We can talk about that. Where are you serving? And then the last question, what are you giving? Can I tell you today, people use this little phrase all the time, 
that Jesus doesn't care about your money, he just cares about your heart, and I'm going to tell you that's a bunch of bull. I'm telling you right now, Jesus wants your wallet. Here's why I know this. He says it in Matthew 6, 21. He says, wherever your money is, that's where your heart is. I can tell you everything about who, you tr- who and what you truly value but by looking at your bank statement, by looking at your QuickBooks accounts. We just know what that is by how we do money. Some quick principles on money. First of all, these come from all over the scripture. We're not going to look at all of them today. But uh, when it comes to your money, it's not yours. Ultimately, you've been in tr- everything you have. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 7, it says, what do you have that you haven't received? The car you drive, the clothes you wear, the paycheck you get, the business you have. Every single thing you have has come to you through the, either the common or the specific grace of God. He's given it all to us. So ultimately he's saying, I've entrusted it to you as a steward, as a manager. And what, what you need to know now, too, secondly, is Hebrews 13, 14. I want you to see this. Hebrews 13, 14. It's all the way to the back of your Bibles. Hebrews 13, 14 says it this way. For this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. This is not ultimately home for any of us. Anybody ever stayed in a hotel? Stayed in a hotel someplace? Did you ever go to that hotel and go, you know what, I don't like the fixtures in here. I'm going down to Home Depot to get some better fixtures in here. And like this carpeting and this flooring, we're going to put some new flooring in here. You know why you don't do that? Because not your home. You're just temporarily staying there for a while. And so I want to encourage you with, with, with this, is that, that, the, that what, God want, what God wants from you about your money is what God wants for you. Because I'm telling you right now, I've been a Christian now for a lot of years. I've been a pastor, been doing working in pastoral kind of stuff for about 30 years. Money is usually the last holdout for us, where I'm really going to trust God. You know why? Because money costs. I'm going to say, I'm going to trust God with my energy or trust God with my dating relationships. Trust God. When it's money, it's like, oh, that's going to mean some different ways that we're going to do life, and it might mean some sacrifices and some adjustments. When it comes to giving, there's different ways people give here at Cross Point Church. Over the years, I've seen this. There's people who begrudgingly give, which means they hardly ever give. If I have to, oh well. And, and that giving is, is fairly rare. People don't, who, who have a kind of if I have to, don't tend to hardly ever give. Then there's obligatory giving, which is the kind of giving that says, you know, I'm part of that church. I guess I probably should. It's something that I'm supposed to do here. And when you have that perspective with your money, your giving will probably be sporadic and intermittent here and there as it works out for you to do. Uh, Where God wants to get you is to move you from begrudging or obligatory giving that's just based on what you're supposed to do to investment giving. Jesus tells parables, tells stories. He says, we want a great ROI, a great return on investment. He says, how you use your money in this life will make a difference in people's lives for eternity. And then God says, and I'm keeping track up here. And not just the difference you'll make in somebody's life for eternity. God says, I've got rewards for you 
based on how you invested your resources down there that will last for eternity. Some of you are hoping your 401k lasts for 20 years. The investment with your money in this life lasts for 20 billion trillion years into eternity. God says you can't beat my return on investment. There's a great verses over in Malachi chapter 3, uh, verses 8 through 12, where God basically does the whole Christmas story, I triple dog dare you to give. I dare you to start giving, to really trust me to give off the top, to, to, to entrust your giving, your, your dollars and resources to my kingdom uh, ventures in the world. He says, and when you do that, he says, you will not be able to contain the blessings I'm going to pour out on your life. And those blessings sometimes huh, are, are financial Sometimes the blessings that God gives us is just the joy of obedience. So I'm not going to tell you today this stupid little thing like, just trust God and you'll win the lottery. That's dumb. But I'm telling you, the joy of what it means to go, I'm going to be able to be free with my, my money now and trust God by, by doing that. And usually where we, we talk about money, it's where the, the conversation on money stops is right here. Return on investment. I'm going to tell you what God wants to see us do is to give based not on, not begrudging, not obligatory, and not just return on investment. He wants us to give out of love. See, when you give out of love, nobody has to tell you you should. And it's not even like, well, what am I going to get out of it for eternity? It's like, man, I just love Jesus. I'm stoked about Jesus. That's where I want to see all of us get. We're so stoked, so enthralled, so fascinated with Jesus that our money just kind of flows out of us. And it's not like, how much am I supposed to give, but how much do I get to give? And I wish I could make more money and get more and more and so I could give more and more and more. Um, And here's what I want to tell you too. When, when, the thing with, with giving is like people ask, well, how are you supposed to give here? God is not so much concerned about the amount as he's concerned about the priority. What God tells us is this. I don't want the biggest bite of your money. I want the first one. You set aside a certain amount you're going to give to me, to the church you're a part of, whatever that is. You give that there and then out of that, live the rest of your life, not get living off the leftovers. Once you start, you won't believe the provision God brings. And how to keep it consistent? You'll see there on your what are you giving, the question that's there. It says, I am, we are committed to financially support the mission of Cross Point Church through off-the-top systematic giving. The best way to do this is to set up automatic recurring giving through your bank or through Cross Point's online giving systems. Here. The best way to make your giving exciting and joyful and obedient is to auto pay like you auto pay your phone bill, your electric bill, your cable bill, your mortgage, whatever. Everybody auto pays everything. And here at Cross Point Church, and we pass these blue buckets through here every week, 80% of our giving doesn't come through these buckets. 80% of it comes from you guys who have already set this up. So you're doing a great job with that. I just want to encourage you right now, wherever you're at, to say, God, what do you have for me right now? For some of us, it's time to start making that giving more systematic and do it off the top and set up the bank Set up the recurring kind of thing. For some of us, it's time to maybe reevaluate because we set up our giving a long time ago. We haven't thought about it in a while. And maybe for a few of us, God's going to say it's time to step that up in some way, somehow. For a lot of you, it's just to keep, continue what you're doing. You're, you're being generous. You're being faithful what God has called you to do when it comes to your giving. We also want to hear from you th uh, either t this weekend or in the future. We're, we're setting up our budget for the year. In order for our budget to work, we have to know kind of what's the projected income and expenses going to be. So we're asking you, 
what are you going to give to general fund giving this year? And then what are you going to give to designated giving? General fund giving is like what goes uh, into just support the ongoing stuff of the church. Designated giving is like things like missions, youth scholarships, what Jessica talked to you about, things that are designated to specific things that kind of are outside what happens here at Crosspoint week in and week out. I would love to get this back from you today. But I also know how this works, too. Some of you might need to go home and think about it. I need to pray about it. I, I hesitate to say just take it home and think about it and pray about it because I know what will happen. You'll take it home and pray about it and then never get it back to us. That's why they always try to close you. The timeshare thing, you know, I get them in there and close them today. But this is not a business deal we're doing right now. This is heart work in your heart and soul. So if you need some time, think about it, pray about it. We're going to give you a few minutes in just a bit to do that. But I want to encourage you to take this home and whether you leave it today with us in the blue buckets at the end of our gathering, or you bring it back in the next two weeks, because we're going to have this in the program the next two weeks. Get this back to us. We want to hear from every single one of you. This is not just for the superstars, not just for the Navy SEAL Christians. This is for all of us, all of us to be engaged with this. God's calling us to say, come on, let's go. And guys, as the band comes up right now, don't look at them, look at me. This This is, we're not done yet. I'm going to be 60 years old sometime this year, pretty soon. I know, I'm old. And I have, I have no idea how much longer I'm going to be paid staff, pastor of a church. I'm not looking to go anywhere anytime soon. But I'm telling you right now, I don't want to coast this thing in. I tell you right now, the, I, Jake Sellers, who was here, spoke at our last men's breakfast, his church is called Tougher Than Hell Church. Because here's what I want to do, guys. I want to go kick the hell out of hell. Let's go do something here and make a difference here, not just kind of coast this thing in. Uh, Maggie, who's on our kids' men team, we were talking about some of this stuff this week, and there's this great song by a band called Casting Crowns called Crazy People. Who sees the world as a mission field? Who talks to Jesus like he's real? Who believes the words in red? Who says he's coming back again? Crazy people trust in Jesus. Following him wherever he leads us. Kingdom seekers walk by faith believers. Here's the church. Here's the steeple. Here's to all God's crazy people. That's what I want to see us do, is to say, let's go out there and make some trouble in this kingdom area that God has us deployed in right here, right now, to call more and more of all kinds of people to discover and follow Jesus. And not so everybody goes, how amazing Crosspoint Church is but how amazing Jesus is. He's our king. We gave you a chance to sing to our king. We sing here every week as an act of war, as a way to get our spirits roused to go back into battle. We come to tables of communion every week where you come and take some bread and some juice. That's the central defining act of the revolution of Jesus was him hanging on a cross and to remember and celebrate that again today. And our prayer team is in the back of the house today. If you have stuff going on in your heart, mind and soul, and you need prayer for anything today, I'd encourage you, as people are getting up, moving around to receive communion, uh, get, get up there and let them pray with you and pray for you about whatever's going on. So Jesus, today, here we are. Here we are, God. Use me. Use us. Beyond just being a church, and religion and spirituality. Use us to make a difference 
to make some trouble.